just do that all over this house right now? Could you just raise your hands and welcome him? Hallelujah. We thank you for what we feel in this room. If you feel comfortable, could you just reach over and touch your neighbor's shoulder? Lord, just speak right now. Lord, we thank you for meeting every need in this life. We thank you for the power of your presence that's in this room, Lord, right now. We thank you for your glory, your majesty. Mm. We thank you, Lord, that in this atmosphere, anything is possible. Every miracle, every need, every situation, every circumstance has to bow to the authority of your name. We speak Jesus right now. We speak Jesus over every dilemma, every problem, every situation, every sickness, every disease. Right now in Jesus' name, we declare it, Lord. We lose healing right now. We lose healing and salvation. We bind up infirmity, pain, sickness, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. How many of you are thankful for the name of Jesus today? Amen. Thankful to be here today. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm progressing, if you don't know my journey. And I want to thank this church family for being patient with me and loving my, me and my family and I want to, th- if I started naming names, I couldn't do that and I don't want to do that. But so many of you have reached out to us and let us know that you're praying for us. And I just thank you because I feel like when I'm here, I'm at home. And so I'm thankful to be here today. Thank you, Brother Carlton, also for always being here to help out and so many others. And thank you, worship team, for ushering us in. Wow. To the presence of God. We're thankful to have brother and sister Tubby here this morning. We're thankful that they're here, that he's back on his feet. He's, he's had surgery recently. We're thankful that he's back on his feet today. Amen. And pastor wanted to do everything that he could to be here this morning, but he had to be in Bella Vista, Arkansas. I don't know if you know where that's at, but that's a long ways off at five o'clock this evening. And he tried everything he could, find flights, private flights, everything he could to be there, to be here and to be there all on the same day, and it didn't just work out. So he apologizes, him and Sister Neeland send their love to you. He says he's going to do everything that he can to be back in this pulpit on Wednesday night. In the meantime, guess who you're stuck with? (laughs) You're stuck with me for a few minutes. But I do believe that I have a word from the Lord for us today. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Thank you. Thank you for standing. Thank you for your kindness. If you're here and I haven't got to meet you in person, uh, my wife and I, please, I would love to meet you in person. We're trying to meet as many people as we can. I also want to thank my wife who has been with me on this journey. And she has carried the load, I tell you. And uh, I'm thankful for her today and I'm thankful that she's here. Most of all, I'm thankful for the grace of God and the strength of the Lord. The scripture that keeps coming over and over in my mind this week, my spirit is, and I'm paraphrasing obviously, but through my weakness, his strength is shown forth. Amen. I said through my weakness, his strength is showing forth. Ephesians chapter two and verse eight. Everybody say this first part with me. For by What? Grace. Shout that like you're thankful for grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is what? The gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship. Everybody say his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. I love the New Living Translation, it says, we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I just want to talk to you for a few minutes, preach to you, teach to you 
whatever I, the Lord will allow me to do and the strength that I have to stand here and uh, sit here, if you don't mind, if that's okay. And um, just want to talk to you from this subject, because of grace. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all because of grace. It's all because of grace. Lord, speak to us right now. I know that your presence is in this room. Thank you for your holiness. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your might. And most of all, thank you for your grace. If you're thankful for the grace of God, why don't you put your hands together right now and thank him one more time before you're seated. Amen. You can be seated. What if I told you today that God is not who many people think he is? Most people believe in a God that is warm, fuzzy, inspiring, but not very powerful and somewhat disinterested. He may manage something miraculous every once in a while, but mostly the God that they think of sits in the corner of the universe as an observer to the cosmic calamity, maybe showing up every so often reminding us to be better people and to make better choices. One leading American sociologist working with teens and young adults found that his sample audience believed that God is not really involved in our everyday life. Everyday life of the world or even those who call themselves believers. He just shows up from time to time and makes us feel better and to do stuff that when he feels like it. Many people see God as just a cosmic butler or divine therapist. There's only one problem, ladies and gentlemen, with this version of God, that God is not a real God. The butler therapist God is a sham God who hasn't the ability to receive any glory, display any power, and gives no grace. But millions of so-called Christians put their trust in what theologians call moralistic therapeutic deism, which is simply the belief that if I work really hard at being good, God will allow me to be happy and help me have good stuff. But what they are ultimately worshiping is their own version of God, which is themselves. One author said millions of people, both in church as well on the outside, think that they love God when in fact they really don't. What they love is a tame version of God. The God that they have made up in their heads based on what they want their God to be like and to do for them. But the God of the scripture, ladies and gentlemen, is neither butler nor therapist. He is a gracious and holy king. He is the creator of the universe. He exploded into human history as the incarnate Messiah of the world. And his name is Jesus Christ. Psalms 135 says that this God does whatever he pleases. Isaiah 46 says whatever he plans, he brings to pass. Whatever he declares, he does. John 1 and Colossians 1 said that he created everything by the power of his word, including kingdoms and governments. They were created for him and by him. And everything that is created in this universe will find its completion in him. Hebrews 1 and 3 says that everything in this universe uh, is held together by the word of his power. The God of the Bible is no stargazing stranger. He is a measureless mystery whose plans never fail and whose word never returns void. He speaks and the stars spill into the cosmos. Planets take shape and fall into alignment. He sits princes on their thrones and he flings kings and leaders into the dust of the ground. He established his earthly kingdom in an animal stall on the backside of Bethlehem with the announcing cry of a virgin mother's birth and he eternally crushed the enemy's authority with his victory over death on the cross and the vanquishing of the grave from a Roman sealed tomb. And yet, paradoxically, this God of power and glory, this serpent-crushing sovereign is also a God of endless, abounding grace. 
This awe-inspiring God is now on an unceasing mission to chase down sin-soaked, undeserving rebels like you and I, changing their hearts to such a capacity that we will fling ourselves at his feet and surrender and find our rest for all eternity. This amazing God gives undeserved mercies to unresponsive sinners. God shows up in his grace, not from Calvary forward, but from the garden forward. He shows us grace, not due to any human action or desire, but because he had a soul-saving plan of mercy, a plan that began before time began itself, and it moves itself forward even to this day. At the very moment that Adam and Eve sinned, they should have died and humanity should have ceased. But God clothes them in human, in, a, in an animal skin and makes a covenant with Eve, even in the middle of the curse of her sin, that a son that she shall bear many millennium forward shall be a seed and he will soon come and he will crush the head of this servant. God's grace to humanity's first family not by any effect of their own. They're standing in the presence of a holy God holding leaves over their naked shame, blaming everyone but themselves. But God steps into the middle of it and he begins the aspect. He begins to give us grace when we didn't deserve it. And the reason that he gave it then is the reason that he's still giving it today. Everyone needs God's grace. Humanity is lost without grace. Hear me very carefully. Everyone needs the grace of God. I need grace. Look at your neighbor and say, you need grace. But from the garden on, we have this endless desire to save ourselves. We have imagined every scheme of righteous work. We cannot imagine that God would do anything for us that we didn't cook up some effort of trying to deserve it. Human religion has tricked us into believing that somewhere deep within the recesses of our soul there is some minute outpost of goodness that could spark God's work in our life. And surely we need to do everything that we can to keep God's attention. And so we work at being better. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we attempt to manage our issues. And we add more self-righteous works to our spiritual ledger. Praying that this is the week. That we have more good days than bad days. Whatever it takes to gain more of God's favor. And maybe you're like me. You've been living for God for a long time. And I dare say that that room, this room is filled with people like that today. And you have forgotten that when you encountered salvation, you encountered it purely out of God's grace. You have spent a lot of time trying to perform uh, and please. Uh, and on my better days, uh, my success seems to almost balance out my messes. Uh, on my darker days, uh, you suspect that your failures uh, have probably now distorted everyone's opinion of you, uh, including God. Uh, and you are left wondering uh, if you have a better tomorrow, uh, will it set you again and get you back in God's grace? Uh, and this is real because all of humanity is groaning uh, between the way things are and the way things that we want them to be but what you need and what all of us need from the back row to the front row what the church needs in the world in North America is we need a wake up call called grace we need God's grace every moment of every day 
This is what Paul's shouting about. I talked about it a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night, but this is what Paul's shouting about so loud in Ephesians uh, in chapter 2. Uh, and I've come to remind you here today, uh, I know it's a summer day uh, in the end of July, and we could just mark it off uh, and walk away uh, and go about our merry way and say, I checked that box, uh, and I went to church today to make myself feel better. Uh, but I come to remind you, uh, it's only because of God uh, being rich in his mercy. I said it's only because of God being rich in his mercy that you woke up this morning that you had breath in your body today that you had your right mind today that you were able to drive up here today that you were able to walk in this door today it's only because of God Paul says but God being rich in his mercy because of his great love which he loved us even while we were dead in our trespasses he made us alive together with Jesus Christ and by grace you have been saved and raised him up and seated with us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing but it is a gift from God we were dead I don't mean to be gross, but when you're dead, you're dead. And I don't know about you, but I've been around several funerals and I've been at several bedsides with people who have passed away. And guess what? The dead person could not do anything for themselves. Oh, you got to hear me. You, if you don't hear me, hear the apostle. He said you are dead in your trespasses. It means we were trespassing against God's righteous and holy law in our sin. He said later on in Romans or before in Romans, he says we were enemies to God. But because of God's great love for us, he has extended to us his grace and its mercy. And it is a gift, ladies and gentlemen. You and I don't deserve a gift. We just receive a gift. Let me say that again. You and I don't deserve gifts. We receive gifts. When a gift is given to us, it's not because we deserved it. It's because someone in their love gave it to us. All we have to do is receive it and be thankful for the gift. You and I did not deserve the gift of grace, but God gives it anyway. Just for a moment, I want to tell you what grace is not. Grace is not approval. Receiving grace should produce a change in my behavior. The German theologian and pastor who was killed under Hitler, Bonhoeffer, said, Cheap grace mocks the holiness of God and bursts a sense of entitlement that expects God to approve whatever behavior we think will make us happy. But ladies and gentlemen, sisters and brothers, this is not the grace that Paul was talking about in his Ephesians letter. Grace does not give me the liberty to live like I want to live and expect God to turn his eyes from me. Grace is freeing, yet it constrains me. Grace frees me from performance, yet it ushers me into worship. I do... You got to get a hold of this. Grace frees me from performance. It frees me from religion. It frees me from the constriction of tradition, but it moves me into a place of worship where I can never abide before. Oh, I wish I could preach this like I feel it. I don't obey to get grace. I've got grace, so now I can obey. So what is grace? If it's not approval, what is it? One author said it this way, and I love this. Grace magnifies God's infinite worth by giving sinners the power to delight in God's glory without diminishing God's holiness. Can I say that again? Grace magnifies God's infinite worth by giving sinners the power to delight in God's glory 
without diminishing God's holiness. Ladies and gentlemen, the only way that we could ever pretend to say that we're in the presence of a pure and holy God is by grace. The New Testament Greek word for grace means to rejoice. The verb means to be glad. The verb denotes a deep joy in response to something that is delightful. I keep wanting to stand up and preach. I'm sorry. There's something burning on the inside of me. Why are we joyful? We're joyful because grace is, un, is an unearned favor initiated by the stronger and given to the weaker. Grace always flows downhill. In the New Testament, it's by grace that the dead are resurrected and that the weak find rest and that all the outcasts get included in God's redemptive plan. It's by grace in the New Testament plan that God reaches outside of his family, uh, the Jewish people, and extends salvation to the Gentile, you and I. It is by grace. Grace is an undeserved gift uh, that is given freely and unconditionally. Grace produces good works, but good works won't produce grace. If grace is anything but a free gift, then it ceases to be grace. Grace is an unfailing love grounded in God's covenant. Uh, this is connecting to what Pastor preached last week. If you aren't here, I, I jure you to go back and hear that message. Uh, God proved his grace in the Old, Tevin, Old Testament by keeping his word, uh, even when Israel failed to keep theirs. Uh, and in the New Testament, we see the ultimate fulfillment of grace uh, as Jesus dies for us, uh, even when we were not worthy of his sacrifice, uh, thus fulfilling God's covenant promise uh, to mankind even while we were not even on this planet God in the form of Jesus Christ died for my salvation and the apostle Paul is staggered by this we read it over and over even in 2 Corinthians he said for all the promises of God find their yes who in where in Jesus Christ all of the covenant promises of God find their completion in Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 19, my God will supply every need of yours uh, according to his riches and glory uh, in Christ Jesus. Uh, you have to see this today, ladies and gentlemen, please, uh, please hear me. Please look past my frailty today. Uh, the reason that I can stand uh, and the reason that you can stand uh, on any promise of God uh, today and in my future is because of God's grace. But my future grace is directly tied to past grace. What do you mean by past grace, David? While I was a stranger. While I was a trespasser. While I was a sinner. An alien. An enemy, Paul says. Before I even existed. Jesus Christ died for me. Even though I would never, ever be able to do anything to merit that kind of love. So the death of Jesus on the cross not only pays the price for my forgiveness and redemption of my past, it becomes the guarantee of God's future promises for my future and the life to come. No, 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 you got to get a hold of this. For all of the promises find their yes in Jesus Christ. The only way I have access to anything that God promises me through his word today and tomorrow is because of the completed work on Calvary. This is called grace. How do I know this is possible? I talked about this a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night, but I want to remind you, this is what Paul's saying in Romans chapter 8 and verse 32, one of my favorite scriptures in this entire powerful chapter. He says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What answer does Paul expect to this question? Does he expect us to say, well, there are reasons that he will not give us all things? No. He expects us to say that God will most certainly in Christ Jesus give us the, all the things that we have need of. 
what then is the logical relationship between the first half of the verse and the second half of the verse? The first half of the verse says God did not spare his own son, implying this was the enormous obstacle that God overcame for us because we could not do it for ourselves. And he gave him up for us all. The Hebrew writer says that Jesus died what? Once for what? All. The second half of the verse says this. God will most certainly give us all things through him. What's the logical connection implied in the way that Paul puts these two halves together? Just a little Bible study real quick on Sunday morning. Wouldn't you agree that the first half of the verse is the basis or the foundation for the second half of the verse? So that we can bring out with conjunction, since or because God has done the most incredibly difficult thing for us, the thing that we could not do for ourselves, which was to die for our own salvation, isn't it immeasurably easier for him to do the less difficult thing? And what is that? Giving us all things through Jesus Christ. So the future grace of God's power is based entirely on the past of grace and God's pardon. So if you ever need encouragement about who God is and is his grace sufficient enough to you, I tell you to go back to the logic of Romans 8.32. If he didn't spare the life of Jesus, and if in other words, if he did the most difficult thing, which was paying for our salvation by his death, then it's a lot easier for him to do the easier thing it's a lot easier for him to come through for me in the middle of my trial in the middle of my situation if he died for me how much easier is it for him to fix my marriage save my children bring peace to my come on somebody I'm talking about the grace of God that's real today Because of grace, I'm completing him who is the head of all principality of power. Colossians 2. Because of grace, I am free from the law of sin and death. Because of grace, oppression and depression cannot overtake me and fear cannot overwhelm me. Isaiah 54. Because of grace, I now have a brand new mind in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2, Philippians 2. Because of grace, I have the peace of God which passes all understanding. Because of grace, the one living on the inside out of me it's greater than the one that's in the world first john 4 because of grace i have received the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of the knowledge of jesus christ and the eyes of my understanding have been opened because of grace i will have no lack because god supplies all of my needs according to the riches in his glory it's all because of grace Because of grace, I am redeemed from the curse of sin, sickness, and poverty. Some of you need to get up and confess what God's done in your life. Come on, some of us have been going through some battles. Anybody been going through some battles and some situations? Sometimes, Brother Robbie, you just got to get up and remind yourself of what God has done before. If he's done it before, then I know he can do it again. If he's healed me once, I know he can heal me again. If he's provided for me once, I know he can provide for me again. If he saved a lost loved one, I know that he can do it again. Why? It was grace that did it then. It's grace that's working now. And it's great. Ah, I wish I could preach right now to somebody. Whatever you're facing, God's grace is big enough to take care of it. If you believe that, you should shout right now. Hallelujah. Because of grace, my family and I are going to walk in healing. Say, David, you can't say that right now. You have a son who's 20 years old who's mentally retarded and autistic. I know I can't say it according to what I see, but I can say it according to what I know. Because of grace, my family is going to walk in healing. 
because of grace the stripes of healing on Jesus' back uh, is already paid for my healing uh, because of grace uh, I can walk out of yesterday's failure uh, and allow yesterday's failure to become today's testimony uh, it's all because of grace uh, it was grace that woke me up this morning uh, it was grace that put words in my mouth uh, it was grace that put food on my table uh, it was grace that put clothes on my back uh, every blessing in my life uh, is because of grace God's grace is unexplainable. It's inexhaustible. It's unbelievable. It's unimaginable. It's indescribable. It's indefinable. God's grace is without measure. That's why it's called grace. The grace of God is past, present, and future grace. And here, hear me very carefully. I need grace today just as much as I needed the day I was saved. I, I know that you thought I was preaching to everybody else, but I, I'm preaching to all of us. Let me say that again. I need grace today just as, as much as I needed it the day I was saved. I was filled with the Holy Ghost at youth camp. Texas, eight years old, baptized the very next Sunday by my father in Jesus' name. It was grace that did the work then. It's grace that's doing the work right now in my life. It's by God's grace that I am even standing up here today. I should be dead. I should be lost. I should be far from God. There's a time and a place in my life, and I don't mind telling you about it and sharing it with you, but there's a time in my life where I was far, far from God. Yes, a preacher's kid. Yes, a call of God on my life, but far, far from God. But God's grace never let up on me. God's grace kept seeking after me. God's grace kept tapping me on the shoulder. God's grace kept drawing in my heart. What you feel today in the power of the Holy Ghost, even if you don't understand everything that I'm saying today, what you feel upon your heart, it's God's grace doing a work in your life uh, right now. Uh, even though you may not understand it all. Uh, even though you may not have a degree in theology. That doesn't matter, honey. Uh, what you feel under the power uh, of God's presence here in this house today is because of his grace. Grace is something more than just what brings us to repentance. Grace is what empowers us to live God's saturated lives. Grace is the kingdom of God in action in the everyday life of the believer. Ladies and gentlemen, the saint needs grace just as much as the sinner. The saint burns through grace like a 747 burning through jet fuel on takeoff. Why? Because when we live in the kingdom of God, moment by moment, we do so by the grace of God. Grace is rescuing us from a life of mediocrity and empowering us to live a life of overcoming power. God didn't call us, ladies and gentlemen, to live a half life half in and half out. Jesus conquered death on the cross for you to live a kingdom life full of victory. I said it two Wednesdays and nights ago and I'll say it again. Jesus did not die on the cross to make you safe. He died on the cross and rose again to make you dangerous. I said he died to make you dangerous. We need to be in the middle of this world pushing back against the spirit of darkness. How do we do that? We do it all through the power of God's grace. Stop living in the shadows. Stop living, trying to live one day, Monday through Saturday, and trying to live one way on Sunday. God knows exactly where you're at, and God wants to deliver you today. I said, God wants to deliver you today. God is calling you out of your tradition. God is calling you out of your religion. God's also calling you out of your brokenness. God's calling you out of your addiction. God's calling you out of the things of your past and your forever tomorrows. God's 
calling you from those decos uh, of yesterday uh, that have tried to intimidate you uh, and keeping you down. Uh, God's calling you out of your addiction. Uh, God's calling you out of your broken marriage. Uh, God's calling you out of your lust-filled mind. Uh, God's calling you out of your jealous heart uh, and self-righteous spirit uh, and suicidal tendency. Uh, God's calling you out of your pity party uh, and self-centeredness. Uh, God's calling you uh, to dive uh, all in uh, in his grace. We got to stop waiting to get it, whatever it is, under control. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to stop waiting to get good enough. Some of you need to stop waiting to get back where you used to be in your Sunday school days. Grace is calling you to dive deep in today. Today. Is the day of salvation, saith the word of the Lord. Today is the day of the miraculous, says the Lord. Today is the day that you walk out of the shadows and the failures and the identity of yesterday. Today is the day that you shake free from the chains of your past hurt and offense. God has already equated your failure into his grace-filled future. God is not afraid of you letting him down again. Because I got news for you. You're going to let him down again and again and again. He knew Peter was going to curse him. You ever thought about that, Brother Carlton? He knew Peter was going to curse him. Still handed him the keys to the kingdom before he cursed him. Grace is calling us today. His love has been tugging at somebody's heart here all morning long. Some of you have been wrestling with doing something great for God but your past is keeping you back grace is calling you to surrender today some of you may be sitting here today still saying no it's too late not good enough I just come to remind you God's grace is calling you today and you know what it simply is this it's an act of surrender And it's simply me coming before the Lord and saying, Lord, I can't do it anymore. Oh, my own. Here I am. I surrender. You got to start somewhere, though. You can think that you're not perfect enough. You can think that you're not good enough. But I'm telling you by the power of the Holy Ghost that God's calling you today. I'm telling you today that God's calling you not to walk out of here the same way that you walked in. God's calling you to something deeper. And it's through His grace. As you stand here today, every eye closed and every head bowed all over this room. Who's here today that the Lord is speaking to? Could you just slip your hand up right now? All over this room. Nobody looking around. Just slip your hand up. Who's here today that needs... Keep your hands up. Just keep your hands up just for a second. I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but in your spirit who's here today that needs God to help you in your marriage God to bring a son or daughter home who's here today with dealing with man used to what I used to be what I used to be I used to be on fire for God 
I want to get back to that. What I used to be. Who's here dealing with a dilemma that seems impossible? If God does not undertake, just raise your hand. If you're here today and you raise your hand, I want you to walk to the front of this building because God's about to do something. I believe it when we sung that last third song, Sister Kaylee, about God being a miracle-working God. I believe it. I believe it. Spread out a little bit. I know we can get congested here in the front. I believe that God is going to do a work right now in somebody's life, in some home. Come on, keep coming, keep coming. Keep playing, Brother Ash, keep playing. Come on, I know there's more than this. You simply just want God to embrace you over and over again. Step out, join us. Whatever the need is. Now I need some faith-filled people, people who believe that God can do it. If you're here today and you're filled with faith, you can join us today around the front of this building right now. I'm believing. I'm believing. I sat in here yesterday afternoon around 5 o'clock and I wept over some of you. I don't know who you are, but I know your face and God knows your need. And I said, Lord, please meet them here in this room today. So if you're ready to say, Lord, I surrender, I give up, it's yours. I can't fix it right now. Could you just do that? Come on, all over this place. All over this place. Lord, I surrender. I surrender right now. I surrender right now. I surrender right now. Take over. Take over. Take over the dilemma that's too big for me. Bring me back to a place, Lord. That place, God, that I knew you before. In this place right now is a miracle working God. If you can help me pray with somebody, reach over and pray for somebody right now that's standing next to you. Come on, God is going to do a miracle. God is going to do a miracle of deliverance in this place right now. God is going to do a miracle of breakthrough in this place right now. I may not be able to reach you, but I don't need to reach you. Let's pray for one another right now. Hallelujah. We release God the power of the miraculous Lord right now. We release the power of the miraculous God right now. The power of salvation God right now. Right now, Lord, in this house, Lord, the miraculous. We speak life. We speak healing. Jesus, I thank you for doing it, Lord. I thank you for doing it, God. By your grace, it paid our lives today. By your grace, it paid our lives today. That's it. Keep coming. Keep coming. God's working. God's working. God's working. If you're standing in a pew and you can pray, put your hand toward the front of this building and let's pray right now. You're working. You're working right now. Miracles are happening right now. you to find two or three people right now and we're going to pray together. We're going to bind together. If you feel comfortable, I know that we're in a time of COVID here, but I want you to just find two or three people, no more than three. I want you to get in a circle. I want you to get in a circle and look at each other. Come on, we're going to make a confession of faith. It's time that we see God move like we've never seen him move before. Look at that person that you're holding their hand right now and begin to pray over them. I know you don't know their need. We don't have the time to go through every need, but if you want to share it, you can share it. But 
right now just begin to prophesy over their life. Lord, I thank you right now for healing in this situation. I thank you for a marriage being restored right now in this situation. I thank you for addiction being broken right now. I thank you for sons and daughters coming home right now. Come on, there's power in our confession. There's power in our agreement. There's power in our agreement right now. Lift your voice up right now. Let it come out of your mouth. You're the God of all grace. You're the God of all grace. Do a work right now, Lord. If you pay the price for my salvation, I know that you can do the miracle for my sister or brother. Right now in Jesus' name. Whatever your need is, we'll pray. 